Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. And on. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I am your host, Morgan Williams, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Nicholas Vandenberg, co-founder and CEO of Chili Piper, a tool that turns inbound leads into qualified meetings instantly. Nicholas started selling newspapers on the streets of Paris in high school. After studying math as an undergrad and then attending Stanford Business School, he started and sold three tech companies with up to 65 employees and $11 million in revenue, ran sales for a $2 billion telecom company negotiating billion-dollar deals with companies like Google, and is now the co-founder and CEO of Chili Piper. Chili Piper is used by Intuit, Square, Twilio, Gainsight, and more than 300-plus thought-leading companies worldwide for multiple-use cases, from connecting prospects to sales reps instantly upon submitting a form to automating their onboarding process. Nicholas, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Very interested in your background, selling newspapers. I'm interested, very interested in anyone who has like a, you know, door-to-door sales type background, anyone who's selling face-to-face. I'd love to hear about that and kind of how you rose from there. Yeah, you could say that it was a early calling uh, the sales uh, job. I, I love sales. Yeah, I wanted to make my, some money uh, when I was in high school and then later college. And uh, mm-hmm. I tried different things, uh, including teaching math and things like that. But, but there's nothing I enjoyed as much as the selling, whatever it was I was selling. And I do mention newspapers because uh, it turned out that was kind of my first experience where I was in direct comparison with other salespeople were dispatcher on the city of Paris on Sundays and, and they I would consistently outsell everybody four to one, you know, I'd come yes. back with piles of papers. <laughs> they had been liquidated. And that said, I thought there's something about it. I enjoy it and I'm good at it. So then I went to study math, so uh, something very <clears throat> different. But uh, when I took my first job, I was working in consulting and uh, I was barely a couple of years into it. I started selling assignments to these big corporations. Uh, it was, I had no um, position to sell these big things, but you know, it, it just happened and it worked. So um, <laughs> then I, I came to Stanford. I did uh, my MBA. I got into tech. We'll talk about it. And it's only recently that I thought, you know, why don't I do a sales tech company doing the 
technology for salespeople. There are people that will uh, helping as a salespeople. Uh, so it's kind of putting together my two passions, sales and starting tech companies. And so it's been a blast with uh, Chili Piper. Awesome. I have to know, how did you outsell four to one? What's the secret sauce? These are very transactional sales, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not a long buying process. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> economic decision maker and, then, <laughs> and procurement coming to say, uh, here, here's uh, 80 cents for your newspapers. I found two, two things that uh, matter. One is uh, strategic location. So I was saying mm. the street, so you want to be uh, where traffic is, and there's still uh, lessons that are applicable everywhere. And the other one is enthusiasm. You know, when you come across enthusiastic, uh, people Absolutely. want to uh, engage with you, and whether they do it because they think you're nice or because they think you must know something, they uh, are much more likely to buy. So this uh, enthusiasm is a critical uh, part that I found uh, is uh, universal in sales. I mean, whether you say to enterprise, uh, you've got to convey the excitement around, uh, around something, you know. Life uh, is too short to uh, not get excited about stuff. So that's how I did it. Absolutely. Totally agree on that enthusiasm piece and location makes sense. I always ask anyone too who has started and sold a tech company that I interview, what are the big two or three different levers that come to mind you had to pull when it comes to building a company like that and exiting from it? Like, what are some big themes that play in your mind? So there's a famous blog post by Mark Andreessen, who was the co-founder of Netscape and later became a partner at Andreessen Horowitz about startups. And he says, in the end, there's only one thing that matters is product market fit. Mm. If you Product as a market, uh, it's a good fit for certain uh, users. Uh, then you, uh, it's hard to fail. And if you don't have uh, a product market fit, it's pretty much impossible to succeed. So the, the number one lever is this curiosity and persistence to find something that can go, that could be done better, and persist until uh, you find the solution. And because often you find something can be improved, you start going into it and your solution is not quite right, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's a combination of what I would call vision in that you, I used to hate the word vision because it sounded like somebody on drugs who was having hallucination, you know, but but, uh, (laughs) I've learned that I couldn't find a better word to describe what it is, is perception. I would say that something is not quite right in the market and could be done better. And, but then it takes a lot of persistence. So the product achieved ever you, gave us a very nice introduction. It is mm-hmm. the case that our core product is around inbound and converting leads into qualified opportunities. That was a very good example of that product market fit and curiosity and persistence because basically uh, we were already selling a scheduling solution to uh, sales development reps. And um, I talked to a bunch of them. I said, what is your job? They say, I'm an inbound SDR. And I said, what is an inbound SDR? And is one is your job. And I said, well, you know, these people, uh, the prospect, they come to the website, uh, they get interested, they uh, fill a form, they submit, and they get a thank you page. Thank you. Somebody's going to call you. And it's my job. I call them. And, you know, and they say, all right. And how is that going for you? And he says, going great. I'm converting uh, super well. I'm converting at 40%. And the light bulb that went on and say, 
You mean to tell me that, that of 100 people who came to that form and submitted a form and got a thank you, somebody's going to call you, 60 of them did not get a meeting, even though 100 of them asked for a meeting, right? So that sounds crazy to me. Yeah. And that came out of curiosity because I was interviewing people, what is your job, what do you do and that. So that thing, okay, that, that, there's a problem there. I'm going to try to fix it. And uh, then that's where the persistence came because uh, we found all sorts of problems. I mean, there, there was a reason why nobody had fixed it is because it was not easy. You had to integrate with marketing automation. The form had to submit to the marketing automation, but you had to route based on uh, who owned the account of that prospect in the CRM. So you had to integrate the CRM, but the two mm-hmm. uh, and, and not talking together in real time. So all sorts of problems. It took us a lot of persistence to cracked these different problems until finally we had a solution where we uh, called a bunch of companies and said, listen, uh, it makes no sense the way after a form people have to wait. We have a smart solution that in real time will take the information from the form, find the right rep, call the rep or find his calendar, bring it back and connect in real time. And uh, one company called Segment said, okay, that sounds great in theory, but we are very data-driven. We're going to do an A-B test. Mm-hmm. So, all right, sounds good. Let's do an A-B test. We started, and I was very uh, keen on doing this A-B test because, you know, in the end, you want to know if it's true that your product is better. Because sure. No, the worst thing you can do is go with an illusion and spend money marketing something that is an illusion. Mm-hmm. So they started in July. They were supposed to be two, three months to September. Uh, 26th of August, got an email. Uh, we're ready to move on and buy the product. We, <laughs> we, we increased our conversion by 61%. So wow. plus 61%. So that was the beginning of a, a new uh, journey uh, when we brought this product to market and uh, signed a lot of uh, beautiful companies. Like uh, you mentioned, a few of them, uh, Inside Twilio. Um, we have now HP. And then Gong, Chorus, uh, a lot of great companies as customers. It took the willingness to fail and try again until uh, until we uh, crack it. And that's something I found uh, in all my startups. Uh, you, you search for an opportunity to improve things. And most likely the first version of what you propose to improve things is not going to work. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just uh, So you have to try something else. One of my companies was... Uh, Biometrics. When I that was very successful because I, I went from in, incorporation to a successful exit in thirteen months. So wow. a year and one month, and it was my co-founder who invited invented this amazing way to recognize uh, faces. Mm. And he came and he said, "You're more precise than anybody else." I said, "Is that true?" I said, "Yeah, look, I can recognize identical twins." Yeah. So I said, "All right, show me." And he said, "Well, identical twins are not identical; they are symmetrical." And my mm. recognition is based on the details of the skin. And if you look at our face, our skin is not the same on the left and on the right. So twins, because they're symmetrical, not identical, I recognize who is who. And oh, uh, interesting. yeah, that is about the persistence. So I thought, uh, okay, well, let's prove it. So I went to Montreal in Canada and there's an identical twin festival. Have you ever heard yeah. of that? Uh, <laughs> You've never heard of that, have you? No, but there's... All right, so, yeah, yeah. Identical Twin Festival. So the Identical Twin Festival is uh, in July in, in Montreal. And what it is that the, every twin from all over the world, really, uh, come with their sister and brother, identical, dress the same, and walk in the street. So you walk in the street and you feel you had a few too many drinks because everything is double, right? Mm-hmm. All these twins and double. So we had a fine... <laughs> 
$500 to the pair of twins that can fool our computer system. And we had 62 pairs of twins and we got zero mistake. We got everybody right. Wow. Uh, so that was another you know, proof of the superiority of our product. And my uh, partner and co-founder said, okay, let's do that because um, I want to use this technology to open my door so that I don't have to have keys. Mm-hmm. And it was 2004, 2005. And I said, uh, yeah, that's a good use case, but I have a better idea. How about we go to the Department of Homeland Security and we tell them we can recognize people like nobody can. And they say, yeah. How's <laughs> <laughs> that for a better use case, you know? Yeah. Be like a few years after 9-11. And when I did that, I went to Washington, D.C. I showed the technology and my twins. Uh, people said, Jesus, Jesus. They say, who the hell are you? They say, we're a startup. And immediately they called their biggest federal integrator and said uh, to his CEO, Joe, it would be a really good idea to work with these guys. Mm-hmm. So Joe uh, made an offer to buy the company. Uh, we said, okay, but we'll get warrants because uh, if you're successful with the technology, we want uh, um, additional pay. He said, fine. We closed the deal. We went back to the Department of Homeland Security and we uh, uh, won the deal for every U.S. passport. Wow. So every U.S. passport is processed with our face recognition. And to this day, it's still the underlying technology uh, at the border. That was a good example of uh, you know trying things out, proving that it works, and then finding the best uh, the best angle to uh, go to market. Absolutely. But at Chili Piper, we still have this uh, one of our core values is uh, innovation, and we uh, we have this super strong product uh, that inbound automation to convert the leads into qualified meetings. We call it the concierge because it's like a virtual concierge in the form that that takes care of you and books the meeting for you. Nice. But we have a lot of other things in the work. One of them is uh, something we're about to launch in um, in a few weeks in a private program. And I think you'll uh, love it because it's designed for you uh, and us and me uh, salespeople. It's a very simple thing. is the ability to uh, comment in your Gmail inbox. So you get an email and often you want to ask your boss or your uh, if it's okay to agree to the request or you want to ask your CTO if uh, it's something we can do or ask your support if it's a problem that they've seen before, right? Uh, very often as, you, as you're dealing with customers, you have a question where you need somebody's help. Mm-hmm. And the best way to, so the way to do it is you can forward the email or you can Slack them and, or call them, but then you have to explain the context and everything. Right. So, so what we do is that you, you ping somebody on a comment and say, hey, please have a look. And then we, we're going to share the thread of the emails to the person so the person can see everything, like exactly why they ask that, what the context is, and give you the right uh, advice. So it's something um, that also we've been, uh, you know, we've been curious about uh, what problems there are around the inbox. And we've been persistent in trying to find a better way to do it. And then we came up with a actually very simple, uh, apparently simple solution that you can just add. The way you can comment in a Google Doc, you can comment in your Gmail, thanks to our technology. That's um, awesome. Big time yeah. saver. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's another product that we bring to market soon. What are some things that you see salespeople struggle with that you feel like maybe like a trend you're seeing in the marketplace that salespeople are struggling with that could be done better, that they could do faster. What are people wasting time on? How can they like be better at their jobs? Yeah. I'd answer with the angle of, of what I've just described, because uh, the reason why we did this commenting in uh, inbox 
is that it was a, a piece of the sales process that surprisingly remained um, pretty much ignored. So I'm sure you're familiar with with companies like uh, Gong and Cars. I, I mentioned yep. they both cheap paper customers. They listen to the recording and do all sorts of analytics, like the intelligence on the recording of your calls. And that makes a lot of sense. And there are a whole bunch of problems. I'll talk about problems in the calls in a minute. But then once that call has gone, has gone through, right? You've done a demo, you've done a discovery, then the whole process is going to happen by email. That's how you work with your customer. And the email that the reps are sending back and forth are completely unmanaged. So when I build this uh, commenting in email, and I started looking at the emails that my uh, reps are sending, I realized that there was tons of room for improvement. You know, I like this kind of problem because it's an unknown problem where you, uh, when you have something that's not working, everybody knows about it, then uh, the solution is going to come. But with sometimes it's a problem that people don't realize is a problem. Right. And that's a typical case. So you'd see, uh, I'd look at emails and I'd see some replies and I'd say, no, that's just the wrong way to reply. You know? And the most common uh, mistake that is very human is to, I would say, reply in the heat of the moment taking the email at face value. So very often it says, I'm going to give you a great example. I actually had uh, not long ago a customer complain. They said, listen, uh, we have a problem. Uh, your account manager doesn't take things seriously. Look at this reply. We asked them, when will you let us know when this problem is going to be fixed? And she, our rep replied, as I told you last Friday, we'll let you know as soon as we know. Mm. Now, right. if you're a very, very busy rep, and somebody asks you, you just answer. I said, look, as I told you yesterday, I don't know, and I'll let you know what I know, which seems reasonable in the situation you're in. But if you're the customer and you're freaked out and you wonder what it, it comes across as uh, condescending. Because, right. because you can hear it like... The tone I, is gone. Yeah. As I told you last Friday, we'll let you know when we know, right? Like somebody, uh, right. would you just quit and leave me alone already, right? Mm-hmm. Which is obviously not how she produced that email, but that's how right. the email was received. And so when you, you, when you look at that, this wall, there's this whole universe of communication that's still uh, unexplored. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot, a lot of talk about how to send cold emails. I mean, you Google a million blog posts or what to write a cold email, how to go to a cold email. But there's like nothing when it comes to in pipeline emails. What is the right way to do in pipeline emails? Ah, right? yeah, right. that's true. Right? That is true. We all think oh, we know what we're doing, but we also think that there's always things we can improve on. And each other, there are, right? And in pipeline email, there's a lot of things we can improve on. Right. So that's a, a problem that uh, you're asking me, what problem have you seen? Um, that's one we discovered recently that is uh, fascinating because it's completely under the radar. Gotcha. Very interesting. So curious to know, like we talked about like product market fit, curiosity and persistence. And you mentioned like a few things that you see, like problems you've seen sales reps have, I guess just, you know, who do you think like your software is the best fit for, for Chili Piper? Like where do you see people get the most value out of it? We're trying to design our solution for every sales, sales person. We try to address problems broad. It's the advice I received early on. You know, if you're going to try to solve a problem, solve a big problem because it's right. the same amount of effort and, and you'll get much more rewards from it. But I've got to uh, acknowledge that uh, when we bring a solution to market, there are 
early adopters and it's, it's very uh, systematically tech companies. It seems like tech companies have, been, have it in their, in, yeah, in their DNA that they go try things, experiment, try to improve, try to do better. And that's probably the reason why they grow so fast. They, they operate differently. So mm-hmm. as I mentioned, uh, you know, we have gone Corus Gainsight as customers. These are, a, you know, forward thinking company that mm-hmm. uh, are going to try. So, we did not design for salespeople for these companies, but these are the salespeople who would take advantage of our tools uh, first. If you look at our concierge solution for websites, when you submit the form, we, we take action in real time. Everybody in the world should have that, right? There's no B2B right. company that should have this dead form that says, thank you, somebody's going to call you someday, maybe. Uh, if you just have uh, real-time engagement. So eventually it will get there. But we, at the early days, we were dealing with the early adopters and they're mostly SaaS companies. Awesome. Okay, tech companies, SaaS companies specifically. Yeah, because uh, you know, there's a lot of them these days. They are looking for uh, solutions to grow faster, and and we help them. Gotcha. Okay. Are there anything else you feel like sales reps things to avoid? Maybe like just things you, your software can solve, or just like mistakes that you see. Anything else? I'm curious to see that because you guys are obviously doing a lot of testing and trying new things out. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to talk about things that are less well covered, also, right? Because if I tell you uh, how to open a cold call, there's a million people who've talked about it. Uh, they tell you enthusiasm matters, and also something that's there's a great book by uh, Jordan Belfort called The Way of the Wolf. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've heard of that book. The guy yep. who, who did the, the Wolf of Wall Street um, inspired the Wolf of Wall Street movie. He talks about all these cold call opening and things. So there's a lot of attention to that. There's a lot of attention for later things in the pipeline. And one of the things that uh, I've uh, discovered in, in less experienced salespeople and is very consistent is that they uh, do not dare asking the champion, their champion, what the next steps are in detail and getting a commitment from the champion. They, they feel that they just don't want to upset anybody. And it's a very critical part of, a, of the process is that when you have a champion, the, uh, the person says, yes, I can see your software is going to help us. I'd like to bring it to my company. Then at that stage, you become partner, right? Right. And the, the relationship changes because the person is not aligned with you. She or he wants to bring the software in the house. Another question is, how do we do that together? And the key thing to get together is to... A, plan out all the steps that need to happen with that champion, but B, get a commitment from the champion. And that takes guts, I guess, to go to somebody and say, hey, uh, can you please commit to me? And so that, that's, what we found. that's what we found as a major problem in less experienced salespeople and a big room for improvement. And that commitment is uh, something that is going to come across uh, in the timing of the, or of the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. When you don't get commitment, you get a three-month cycle. And when you get commitment, you get a three-week cycle and a three-day cycle because of yeah. the steps are already uh, planned. That's um, another problem that is less well discussed in the forums and blog, and yet uh, it can easily... Uh, Increase conversion rate. Doing it right increase conversion rates by uh, easily fifty percent. Yeah, the theme I hear from you know the things you brought up is that you you really like to pay attention to those deals that are 
or pay attention to deals in the pipeline and put like extra emphasis on these deals that are already in motion, right? Because there's obviously a lot of opportunity to sell more within a deal to increase a deal. There's tons of things that can happen where you lose a deal, where a deal just like falls apart. And then, you know, a month or so later, or however long, you don't, nobody knows why, what happened. I'm curious to know, like, what are some of the biggest reasons you see deals fall apart or why deals fall apart? In uh, unusual uh, times these days, right, with the virus. So, so mm-hmm. unfortunately, a lot of deals happen, don't happen for understandable reasons. The, the companies are struggling and that happened. And that's really the reason number one these days. But if you uh, move on to before the crisis or probably soon when, the, when this is over, mm-hmm. the number one thing that kill deals is that... Uh, but the first step is, uh, is your product a good fit for the company you're talking to? There's no question. Right? The, the whole product market fit. You, you, right. you have a call with somebody. Is it realistically a good offering? Very much again, that concept of selling ice to Eskimos, you know, like that story. Right. That every time they, I, mean, just I to, agree. We, we do not sell ice to Eskimos. They have ice. They don't need it. And, right. <laughs> and, it, and it's ridiculous to think that uh, some people have special power to uh, give we all there to help our customers and sell them something that's really going to bring value. I mean, nowadays uh, there's renewal. So if you do something that has no value, it's going to be churned anyway. It's not worth mm-hmm. it. So yeah. that step is relatively clear. You do a demo, you identify the value, you commit the value, you uh, bring, bring the champion. But the thing that uh, kills deals the most is the inability of that champion to then sell internally. Mm. Right? Because at the end, that's what needs to happen, right? And yes. so now it's, it's an amazing job, the job of salesperson in the enterprise world, uh, because selling newspapers was a very different thing. I just right. called somebody and it was between me and that person and we closed the deal. Oh, you sell yeah. to enterprise, your job as enterprise sales is the tip of the iceberg. The big other part of the job is underwater when that champion goes you know, and disappears as a submarine on a mm-hmm. mission to sell in journey. So basically, our job as salesperson is we outsource easily two-thirds of the job to somebody in the company, right? right? that champion. And um, we call it champion enablement, uh, Chili Pepper, because uh, when you look at the deal that didn't go close, I mean, you can always find a reason. They say, uh, we don't have the budget, we don't have that. But this is, this is, this is a lip service you know smoke screen yes exactly smoke screen exactly the real reason is that the champion was not equipped to just convert his own organization he or her her own organization that's the number one reason deals don't happen and that's the thing that's very tricky and uh, frankly there's no magic wand for this problem Mm -hmm. but, but there's a lot of things that can be done better in the champion enablement. So that's another topic we're working on at Chili Piper. I got to ask, what are just like a couple things that help with that champion enablement that people can try out or keep in mind when they're going through the process of trying to close a deal? Yeah, so there are two things that come to mind. The first one is what I mentioned earlier, is spell out the next steps with the champion and get the commitment. And you would think that it's it's actually... um, mean to ask a good champion to make a commitment because he or he may not succeed but that's actually helpful it's like if i tell you uh, hey uh, let's get back in shape uh, you're going to go to the gym uh, how about you tell me uh, let's bite now the, sub- the subscription to the gym and let's agree that we're going to go every wednesday morning and mm-hmm. every Saturday morning. 
that commitment is going to help and is simply with the champion. And then the second thing that we've been trying that, that is uh, more of a tool level is we very often uh, create uh, documents with the key resources the champion will be able to use to sell internally. So we ask them who is going to be uh, involved, what, what do they care about, and then we say, oh, let's agree on sending typically, right? So sometimes people say, my CFO is going to want to look at it, my CEO is going to look at it, or sometimes they don't say that. They have all ready to. If the CFO is going to look at it, we say, oh, in that case, we have the right document for the CFO. We have a, a, a right calculator, I'll share that with you. So we, we do a Google Doc and we provide the content and resources that are going to help the champion. We're exploring ways to make that a bit more of a product, but for the time being, that's a bit of a hack to put these docs, but that works quite well. Gotcha. Awesome. Love those tips. Nicholas, it was great to chat with you and hear about your experience, you know, your views on the marketplace and your attention to you know, the existing sales reps pipeline. I completely agree that doesn't get enough attention, even though it's very important. It's not as sexy as cold outreach, right? Yeah. Where can people get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more about Chili Piper, maybe something that you've mentioned today? Yeah, well, as you would hope, you, we use our own tool. So if you come to our website, uh, you'll be able to connect with us in real time directly. Chili Piper is a play on world. A lot of people say my Chili Pepper, but it's not Pepper, it's Piper. Like, uh, it's a play on world after Pipeline and Chili, pipeline, yeah. Yeah, chili Piper. So if you come to our site, then we'll connect you directly with somebody uh, who can uh, help you. Awesome. Once again, it's great chatting with you today and look forward to the continued success of Chili Piper. Thanks a lot, Morgan. Awesome. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.